You're listening to the Life Tree Church Sermon of the Week. We pray that as you hear this word, you would be encouraged and inspired as you pursue Jesus in your everyday life. I just want to open up telling you guys a little something about a piece of uh, equipment at my house. It seemed fitting. Uh, I, brought a, I bought a pressure washer a few years ago and got this pressure washer. So excited to have my own pressure washer and be able to like clean things at my house. Anybody else relate to just loving what a pressure washer can do? And, uh, and so I washed my deck. I washed all this stuff and then I put it in the shed. And then the next spring I go to pull this thing out used it once, and it will not start. And I'm like, what the heck? I spent, you know, I spent whatever it was I spent on it, and I was super uh, frustrated that it wasn't working, so I took it to the guys I bought it from, and the first question they asked me was, when was the last time you used it? And I said, well, like, I don't know, last year? And they were like, there's your problem. And they they took it in, and basically, long story short of it, is that the engine, if it's not used often enough, is going to get all gummed up, and it's not going to be able to start. And there's just this reality that an engine, if it doesn't actually run often enough, it doesn't actually do what it was made for often enough, it will break down, and it will not work. Uh, And the reality is, is that we as people... We're actually designed for community. That was, that was the essence of Charlotte's message last week, was just a real call to stay in community. And um, she did a great job of getting us all to put reasons why we should be in community and reasons why we pull back from it on a whiteboard, and it was, uh, it was something to look at and see what you could identify with on it. But um, I wanted us this morning to actually go into foundational portions of Scripture before we dive any further, and that's going to be a quick review in Genesis 1 and 2. Uh, and I want to point out that these are like foundational passages. This is the very beginning of the book. And so in this, we get the real you know, foundation of what we believe, the foundation of what it is to be human. Like That's really what it speaks into. And very first, I'm just going to touch on it. I'm not going to read this part, but even at the very outset... There's this passage in Genesis 1, 26, 27, where God is recorded saying, let us make man in our image. And then it goes on and says, both male and female, he created them, right? And it's really interesting that right there in the first chapter, we have this hint at this thing in the church that we have come to understand as the Trinity. Because we hear this, this phrase, let us make man in our image image. And this idea of the Trinity is that God is actually made up of three persons who are so the same that together they make one God. Three individuals that make up one God. It's this, it's this kind of paradoxical, interesting belief and doctrine, but in simplicity, what I want us to catch as we hear those words today is that ultimate reality itself, the source of ultimate reality, namely God, is communal. In other words, in the very fabric of He who created the universe, in His nature and His likeness, which we reflect, there is this community, the Trinity that we speak of. 
But what I really want us to look into here is in Genesis 2, and we're going to start at verse 18, and we're going to read to the end of the chapter. And I want us to just feel this scripture as we read it. But the, the most important part I want us to catch is right out the beginning. We'll just get into it. Are we ready? Is it up there on the screen? All right. Here it is. The Lord God said, it is not good for man to be alone. Just catch that. That's, that's a highlight phrase right there. I want you, even before we read on, I want you to remember that all throughout the first chapter, God said, let there be light, and there was light, and he said it was good. And on and on and on, he said that it was good. He said that it was good, and we hear this repeated phrase. This is the very first time in the scriptures that we hear something was not good. I'll read it again. The Lord God said it is not good for the man to be alone. I will make a helper suitable for him. Now the Lord God had formed out of the ground all the wild animals and all the birds in the sky. He brought them to the man to see what he would name them, and whatever the man called each living creature, that was its name. So the man gave names to all the livestock, the birds in the sky, and all the wild animals, but for Adam no suitable helper was found. I really believe God did this on purpose. It was like bring all the animals before him and let him see, hey, where's, where's someone like me? So the Lord God caused the man to fall into a deep sleep, and while he was sleeping, he took one of the man's ribs and then closed up the place with flesh. Then the Lord God made a woman from the rib he had taken out of the man, and he brought her to the man. I want you to, I want you to feel this part right here. Then the man said, This is now bone of my bones and flesh of my flesh. She shall be called woman, for she was taken out of man. This is, this is actually like in a different structure in the pages of my Bible, it's like he's breaking out into song. There's this rejoicing when someone is brought to him. That is why a man leaves his father and a mother, sorry, that is why a man leaves his father and mother and is united to his wife and they become one flesh. Adam and his wife were both naked and they felt no shame. It's a beautiful, beautiful story. But what I want us to really catch on the outset is that first thing. It is not good for man to be alone. And we actually see right here that says that God said, so I'm going to make a helper suitable for Adam. Now oftentimes this verse is looked down upon by people who think it sounds like this woman's being made as some like subordinate servant to Adam. But there's actually something deeper going on here. Only twice in Scripture is that word used to refer to a woman. Three times, you know what it's used to refer to? Armies. Armies that would come and help Israel when they were in need. Powerful, strong armies that when, when Israel was in need of help, another army came and they were Israel's help. So it speaks actually more to Israel's need than, than some low-level role of this helper. Sixteen times the same word refers to God. 
So, so this word that's talking about what the woman was in relationship to the man is not this little insignificant, just here to do whatever you say, sir. You know, any, you know we know, I hope you know it doesn't work that way. Uh, so so the, 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 the idea is actually that she has this significant role that Adam is incomplete without. He's in need Right there, built into the design. Remember what we just read is before the fall. Built into the design is a sense of need, an awareness of need. That when God said, it's not good for man to be alone, what's the next thing that happens? God has all the animals come in front of him, and and Adam's experiencing this awareness of, where is my somebody? Right? God wants us to feel the need. And what I want us to catch in recognizing that this is foundational scripture is that it's in your very nature as a human being to need community. To to think that we can do life alone is crazy. That That word suitable helper actually means like the word suitable, it's hard to translate, a literal translation could be like opposite. There's actually something in how she's different from him that he needs. We'll get into more of that really, I feel like, next week. I'm not going to dig deep into that. but um, And I just want us to catch at the very end of the narrative that we read, what does it tell us? That Adam and Eve were what? They were naked. I just like letting that sit because I think it's hilarious. Whatever's going on in your heads. But anyways, so let's, let's put it in terms of transparent, right? We can relate to that in the sense of community. Don't worry, we're not, we're not you know, yeah. None of that going on. But when we're, when we're transparent, we are actually, you know, by design, God's perfect design for our relationships is that we can be totally transparent and feel no Shame. That's the design. That's how it's supposed to be. So, so remember, this is before the fall. You have in, written into you. So in other words, your need, your sense of need for other people is not because something's wrong with you. It's actually how you were designed. That we need each other. And we're actually working against our very nature as human beings when we try to do life alone. You know, a a completely materialistic worldview has in mind these independent individual people just wandering the earth who eventually, you know, come together and form relationships because it's good for me and etc. But what we have here in Scripture is this picture that, no, from the very outset, from the very foundation of the earth, God created a union between two people. That that union was essential for actually walking out who we're called to be. Now, don't take that to say that you can only, you know, do well in life as a human if you're married. That's not the point. The point I'm trying to make is that we need to be in relationship with other people. You will not make it and do well in life in isolation. It just doesn't work. We often get this idea that there's something great about being self-made. I got this. I can do it on my own, right? But actually... 
in reality, we need one another. Living in dependence leads to great flourishing, great joy. Remember the song Adam starts to sing when, when Eve comes to him. So the main point I want to get across today is that isolation is destructive. We're designed to need help and give help. That human nature is communal. Yes, there's time and place to be alone and have your quiet time, all that, but you need relationship with others. There's an environment in which we actually flourish and do well. You know, you put a banana in the fridge, what happens to it? It's in the wrong environment, right? It's in the wrong environment. Or more, more serious, the very reality, simple to understand, is that if you leave a baby by itself, what happens? It, it literally will not survive. You come into this world in need of help. Without it, you will not live. We live in need. And better than banana illustrations, I thought it would be good to have Tim come share. So Tim, can you come on up? Tim and I and Jen were together about 10 days ago, and uh, Tim was just sharing some stuff. And as he was sharing, I was like, man, this so fits with where Charlotte's going next Sunday and the vein that we're going to be staying in. And so I've just asked Tim to share um, his thoughts on this. I'll, I'll, I'll leave, it, leave it to you. Thank you, Tim. Okay, Daddy, I'm a little nervous here. So you are the one that gives peace. So I'm just going to receive that. So um, Caleb did ask me to give, um, not just to share my thoughts on community, but give a little backstory just because we have so many um, new people in this church. So they have a bit of a better understanding. So um, I was born and raised here in Victoria. Um, been here all my life. Um, born to Christian parents. Um, they were much older than I was. I was the, what do you mean I'm pregnant? I'm too old child. Um, so, um, yeah. Um, sorry, it's hard to get into this. <laughs> A number of times I come up here, it's usually, uh, it's fairly um, heavy when I have to share. And unfortunately, this time is no different. Um, I do promise, though, at the other end, there is, some, there is some light, so if you bear with me, I'm just going to give you a brief snapshot history of, of me, and I'm highlighting, well, I'm highlighting a lot of negative things um, with, with purpose. I'll explain that in a minute. Um, so, when I was uh, about, well, between the ages of 11 and 13, um, I was uh, molested multiple times by a pedophile, um, that definitely did some, some damage. Um, I went through a very tumultuous teenagehood, um, was into all sorts of things that I shouldn't have been, um, did spend some time suicidal, it, was, um, it wasn't great. Um, when I turned 19, that's when I met Jesus. Um, 
He saved me and everything changed. Suddenly I had joy, I had excitement. Um, shortly thereafter, I met my wife, Jennifer. Um, she already had three kids from a previous marriage. So um, we got married at 22, and I believe our eldest at that time was 13. So there wasn't that much of an age gap. Um, I started very quickly thereafter in construction. Um, been there ever since. Um, but when I was in it, it was uh, well, it was really old school. So I got yelled at regularly, um, spat on. It, it was just, it was really harsh. And um, my tendency when I'm dealing with something hard is to bottle it up and bottle it up. The problem with that is I'd bring it home. I'd be very angry uh, with my wife, abusive. And that was like... 15 years of my marriage, and if you ask her, she will quite quickly say that, yeah, he was a real jerk, and she was right. Um, in that, I, uh, we had two more children, so we had five altogether. In that time, I, because of the way I was acting, I managed to estrange myself from the the older three. I mean, we had a relationship, but it wasn't much to speak of. So, um, when, uh, somewhere in the middle of all that, I don't remember the exact time, our eldest was diagnosed with schizophrenia. And, and that's, he'd have um, uh, moments, and it was, yeah, I'm not going into details, I'm just trying to highlight it, so um, that was very challenging. And then um, when our youngest daughter became a teenager, um, she got online, connected with the wrong person. They ended up meeting, and she, she got raped. We spent the next four years in and out of the court system because, unfortunately, um, the Canadian court doesn't look at it as a crime against her. It looks at it as a crime against the Crown because she was underage, and, uh, which means we couldn't get out of it. And we so desperately wanted to just end that period of our life, but we couldn't. So um, in there then, our youngest, Isaiah, he started uh, using drugs. He started with... Uh, marijuana, but it, over the years it escalated from that point. And then I got really sick. This was only a, um, a number of years back, 2018. Um, I, I, was, I was bleeding in my lungs. It was, it was awful. And I had to go through chemotherapy because uh, that was the answer to fix it. Unfortunately, it didn't. Now, by the grace of God, he brought another drug along that has made a major difference. And, you know, I'm so much better than what I was. It's still a journey, um, but I am so much better than I what, what I was. Um, in that, also, our youngest daughter got married to another woman, which we're, we're still navigating. Um, so couple of things that I want to share about that and the reason why I want to share about that and what that has to do with community is if you are going through anything like that I want you to know you're not alone 
you're not alone, and if you need somebody to come alongside you, Jen and I are here. I can offer her services because I know her heart. No, she had that heart long before I did. Because uh, one of the biggest challenges I've struggled with for so many years is feeling very much lonely. It's like, oh, this is happening to us, and I don't know of anybody, uh, never mind out in the world, and I don't know of anybody in the church that's struggling with some of the things we're struggling with. And um, so I, in almost all these situations, I drew back. Now, I also want to say, and I think this is one of the most important parts, um, I have a story, a Jesus story, for each and every one of those situations in my life where he has come through, where he has been faithful, where he's carried us, and where he's made it okay again. Um, so, the, the last sort of tragedy, if you will, that has happened to us, uh, it's been about... Well, it's almost two and a half years now. Our youngest son, Isaiah, um, who was heavily into heroin, and um, we dealt with all the challenges that come with that. Um, heroin's supposed to mellow you out, and it did eventually, but when he would use, he'd be extraordinarily violent for the first hour to two hours, and I'd lock myself in a room with him to try to keep him away from other people. Um, his eyes would roll in the back of his head, I knew my son was in there, but what I was seeing was certainly something uh, much more from the enemy than, than my boy. We went through all that, and then he used in his car, and he died. And... Have this crazy thing in my head when when this first thing happened, I, like like I I always try to organize things, try to make sense of them by organizing, putting them into categories. So I thought, okay, a year, this is going to be brutally hard for a year, and then then, then it's going to be okay again. And um, so I got to that year, and it wasn't okay. And I thought, okay, two years, two years, it's going to be okay. It's going to be brutally hard. And um, what's two and a half years? I cried so hard last night. Actually, I'm thankful for it, though, because I feel like um, I got a bunch of it out of my system, so I didn't do it up here. <laughs> um, so, in the middle of all this, I mean, there's been lots of good, joyful things that have happened. Jesus has shown up so many times in my life. And when I reflect back on it, if I look at our eldest son, the one that was diagnosed with schizophrenia, uh, he now has an intimate relationship with God. He still faces challenges, but he's been baptized in the Holy Spirit, and he has, you know, I see in his face joy unspeakable and full of glory, and it's, 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 it's so wonderful. Our, uh, our eldest daughter, um, she's been married for quite a few years, and now we have four uh, healthy, vibrant grandchildren who I love dearly. Um, our, our middle son, uh, we were estranged for a very long time, but now by the grace of God, we have such a deep relationship. The two of us hang out every Thursday. We spend time together and it's just, 
It's so Jesus coming through. It's so Jesus taking that which was ugly and turning it into something beautiful. Um, we're still going through it with our youngest daughter. Um, she hasn't spoken to us in uh, getting on a year, I guess. And it's super challenging because uh, it kind of feels like we've lost another child. Um, but at the same time, I simply know this. Jesus has never failed me, and he ain't about to start now. And with my boy, <laughs> I'm still mourning. And the, the my tendency is to pull back and just try to keep my head above water. And I guess what Jesus wants, really wants me to do, he said it enough times already, is to tell you, I'm still mourning. And I could use people to come alongside me and help. I don't know how. You know, and I tried to look at it from other people's eyes. Like, how do you handle somebody that's had lost a child? Like, what do you say? I mean, you've got no way to relate with that. And, and totally understandably, then people would just not deal with it. And we have all have busy lives, I know. But I'm just throwing it out there. That's where I'm at. So Caleb did uh, come over. We visited. Then I was sharing with him that, you know, we've been withdrawn for about two years. I'm, I'm strongly feeling God pulling me back out. That it's, time, it's time for change. It's time to get in community. And I can't really tell you what community is. The word's somewhat foreign to me. It makes more sense to me when we talk about relationships. I need deeper relationships. I know God wants this for me. And I, I told Caleb, I just... I want to go be with my boy. I know my wife feels the same way. And to be totally honest, I don't want to be here. No, I'm, I'm, I'm not saying I'm suicidal. I'm not, not at all. Just, it's hard being here. And I said to him, in the middle of that, I, I feel like I've lost a sense of purpose. I, I don't know. I don't know which way is up. And he said, I need community. And as soon as he said it, I knew. I just knew. You know when God speaks something for somebody else, it's just like, oh, yeah, okay, okay. So since that meeting, I've been asking, what's community? It's like, Father, what is community? What, what does this look like for me? How do, I, how do I do this better than I've done it before? And he said to me, Before I met Jesus, I was a me. When I met Jesus, I stopped being a me, and I became a we. No longer was I alone. I was now filled with the Holy Spirit, um, God the Father, Jesus the Son, Holy Spirit, me. We're all in one package here. It's just not me alone anymore. And he told me... It's exactly the same way with every other believer. And I kind of already knew that, but the part that I didn't really see is that when the Holy Spirit, I'm going to use this word because it sounds funny, but I'm going to use it anyways because it'll make sense. When the Holy Spirit infused you, 
that became a part of God that I could only ever reach by being in relationship with you. So, you know, I, I've, I've done the solo Christian thing for so many years, and I can attest to the fact that although I do have a close walk with Jesus, um, there is so much more of him in his people that I so need. I absolutely need, and I'm never going to get the fullness of God without those interactions. There's just, I can't articulate it better than that, but I just, I know in the depths of my being there's so much more. I realized also, too, I'm struggling with hope, because I know that when the hope is strong in me, you know, I'm doing well. When the hope's not, I'm not doing so well. I met Keenan. We went for coffee. And he shared about his life. He shared about his aspirations and his dreams. And I watched in his eyes, just I watched his eyes light up as he was sharing things about what uh, he and Becky want to do, some of their dreams. And, and something in me shifted. And I was like, oh, my goodness, that's hope. And I got excited for Keenan. And I thought, yeah, that's it. I need that hope rekindled, and I just found it in Keenan. And I need to step past the me that is always, oh, you know, I don't know how they're going to take that. I don't know if they like me. I, all the I don't knows. And say, no, 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 Lord Jesus, you want this for me. Because you want it for me. I know it's going to be good. So I got to take the step. I know God gave us this story. I mean, he didn't cause these bad things to happen, but um, throughout all of them, he gave us a story so that we could share without, with other people how Jesus showed up in our lives, how he made the difference. So I'm going to try to reach out more. Um, again, my tendency is not to, but I am. Because there's a room full of people here that are infused by God that are really worth knowing. So, that's it. Thank you, Tim. Tim, in his transparency, has just modeled to you how to, how to set the welcome mat, open the door for community. It's, it's not easy, you know, to be that open, that honest about the hard stuff. Um, but there is this reality that is so rich and so true that he's touching on that you can only really completely in a more full sense know God in and through community. There's very much a way in which you know God better through community, but then others know God better through you, and the world knows God better through us. Doing community well. I mean, that's, that's Jesus' way. You can't help 
the thought can't escape me. When Jesus came and said, I'm going to raise up a church, I'm going to make disciples, he had 12. He didn't just pick one guy, he had a group together. He was hitting me last week when Charlotte was telling a story about Thomas, that there's only actually one account in the resurrection appearance stories of Jesus appearing to an individual. Again and again, it's to groups of people. And there's just this way that Jesus seems to work, that he intends for us to know him and make him known in the world through community. We say it here at Life Tree. we are a family all about declaring, displaying Jesus to transform lives and benefit our city. We believe there's something about us doing that together as a family that is so much more rich than anything we could do alone. I just want to harp a bit on what Char said last week. I love the title, and it felt so fitting following two years of all the COVID restrictions. You are essential. You are essential to them. They are essential to you. We are essential to the world. And when we learn to love each other well and do this community thing well, we actually create a, a, it's like a, a catalytic thing for Jesus to be made known in our city. But I'm so aware that there are enemies to community that come at us. Offense, fear, guilt, and shame. When you think about those things, that fear, that guilt, that shame, the offense, I see them, they're almost like, you know, prison guards who want to keep us held in. But Jesus came to deal with it all. And when you think about the cross, the cross deals with all those things. Deals with offense. Overcomes fear, guilt, and shame. Knowing that you're forgiven by God undoes those things in our hearts. The world needs, and I'll read it out, I made a list here, gospel-shaped, love your enemies, forgiven and redeemed, ministers of reconciliation, followers of Jesus. People with that are better resourced and equipped to build and become the kind of community that our world needs. I feel like the last season that we've gone through as a people has worked, there's been a lot of work going on in the spirit to make us comfortable with isolation. It's just not good. You know, I found myself this morning praying and you're probably familiar with the song if you've been around here for a bit when we sing, when you walk into the room, everything changes, right? And I was praying from that and just as like, as Tim shared that we get infused with God, there's something stirring in me to just say to you, when you walk into the room with the Spirit of God in you, everything changes. You bring something into the community that we need. And so the, the invitation is please don't draw back. Please don't grow too comfortable with isolation. 
We need you. Something really rich, guys, where we get to know Jesus better together, that we can only do together. I've said this many times before, but I'll say it again. There's like, I can think of friends I have in the natural who I know better because I know them in the context of a group. I, I have my experience of them. We as a group have a shared experience of them. I hear stories about things that they've done from other people when I wasn't there. And it works very much that way in our relationship with Jesus. Our communal shared experience of him actually enriches one another's lives. And our togetherness is it's, it's a beautiful thing. So we're going to receive communion this morning. But I want, as we, as we come into communion this morning, maybe if I get some help actually bringing the tables out. I don't, we don't have any recruited, so volunteer yourself. Uh, just to get them out, make it more accessible. As, as we come to the communion table this morning, I want you to realize that whether it's fear of engaging with others, whether it's guilt and shame keeping you hidden with a mask on, or whether it's hurt and offense, that when we come before the cross, which is exactly what we're doing when we receive the bread and the blood, let them heal you. I had this sense this morning that some of us need to hear To be healed, to be made whole into the absolute, you know, ideal version of you that God has in mind for you is going to come when you actually stay long enough in community. Any, any married people in the room who have been married for some years, you know that there's something about staying in that relationship that changes you. And the same is true for staying in Christian community, remaining in it. If you'll stay long enough, you will be changed. You will grow. You will continue to flourish. When we had the men's breakfast um, just earlier this month, we gave the action step of, you know, before you leave this morning, Find at least one person to schedule a coffee with in the month of October. It was that simple. And I know what Tim shared about us meeting with Keenan, I believe, was from that. And it was just this simple step of, like, find somebody that you're going to have a coffee with this month. Uh, and that, that simple step led to this, what, what Tim shared with us. Um, but I just felt this thing this morning, especially at hearing what depths and openness... Tim shared with us, and I know it's been the story in my life that having people who I can actually share my lowest moments, my darkest thoughts and feelings, uh, these, these hard moments with has been actually a way into great healing, great freedom. Sometimes you don't actually get wise counsel from it or anything, but there's some power in just actually speaking about it, talking about it. And so what I'm not going to say to you this morning is right now in your circles, share your deepest, darkest. That's not, that's not what we're doing. If, you, if you feel prompted by the Spirit that that's what you're supposed to do this morning, um, 
you know, we trust the Lord and lead you with that. But what I do want to encourage you into is, is find someone. Find someone you can share your deepest, darkest moments with, your deepest, darkest thoughts. That is where there is a richness that comes. Uh, there is this great, great design and promise, right? Just to go back to the last bit of what we read this morning. Adam and his wife were both naked and they felt no shame. But that's actually our inheritance as believers. To be able to, to be fully transparent without shame. And that is what this is about. There's more to it, but that's key to this. When you are receiving the blood and the body of Jesus that's been poured out for you. It's about complete cleansing, complete forgiveness, complete healing. And we as people who know that truth can sit together and be completely open and honest and transparent. And so that's my, my courageous, bold, big action step to just share today. Find people you can be that open and honest with. I'm going to pray, and then I'm going to leave you guys to, to facilitate the moment together. And, um, and then we'll be moving on down the hall, newcomers lunch, all that. You can go pick up your children when you're done in here. But Father, we thank you. We thank you for your, your son that you sent to shed his blood, give his body for us, that we can be fully forgiven, fully healed. And we ask that just the truth of the gospel would be made so real in our hearts today. That you would be the center of this community. We say again, as we say often, we are all about you, Jesus. And we ask for you to be lifted up in this moment, in each of these circles around this room, in Jesus' name. Amen. Take it away, church. Thank you for listening to the Life Tree Church Sermon of the Week. At Life Tree, we are a family all about declaring and displaying Jesus to transform lives and benefit our city. If you'd like to find out more about Lifetree, you can find us online at lifetree.ca.